What up, world? Thanks for listening to the Sac City Podcast. While you're here, do us all a favor and hit that follow button. Then join us every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday for more top-tier NFL content. Welcome to the city. City, welcome into another episode of the Sac City Podcast. I'm your host, the one and only Vinny Milani, joined as always by your boy, AJ Johnson. Below him, we have my best friend in the whole entire world. He is Aaron, the Mukes, I am Mukes, who looks very frozen. Oh, he's back to life. And beside him, we have the reigning, the defending, the undisputed heavyweight valedictorian of the show, Dylan Kearns. It is a beautiful July 14th morning here in the city. Episode 54 is about to kick off. We're diving into and completing our fantasy outlooks with the NFC East. That's the Cowboys. That's the Commanders, Giants, and Eagles talking about that and so much more on this episode. AJ, how goes it this morning? It goes well. It goes well. If I may do this because I know they're listening. I got to shout out my boy, my brother, my Tampa family, my boy Stuart. It's his birthday, so happy birthday to my guy. Appreciate you and your lovely bride-to-be supporting Sac City. Bride-to-be? Whoa, 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 whoa. Bride-to-be? He's engaged? Bride-to-be? I'm pretty sure he's been engaged since you've known him. This man. I've always <laughs> heard girlfriend. I've always heard uh, girlfriend. I mean, I mean maybe that could be my fault. Maybe Stewie I don't do a good innocent. enough job of... Talk, maybe all right. The truth is, I've been jealous. You know that I, I was replaced, so I never really gave her that no, like that's, fiance that's, status. But it's his birthday. I'll do that. You know, don't be that no, guy. Don't be that guy. <laughs> that, that, I don't that, have that, to. It's always bros before wonderful, lovely, respectable ladies. <laughs> hey, hey, that that that's on him though. Fucking up, trying to get wifed up. That's on him mess, yeah. messing up, making bad life decisions though. But hey, <laughs> shout out to the boy Stewie for uh for happy birthday and. An engagement that no one on the show knew about, but have, well, all that good times, like, good moments, like and congratulations. Months, <laughs> oh, shit. Well, then, all right. All right. Congratulations. All right. Uh, well, let's get into some headlines here this morning for football talk here. Aaron, we're talking about the Cowboys here today. There was a report from the Athletics, John Makata, reporting that Cowboys wide receiver Jalen Tolbert will head into training camp as a presumed week one starter with Michael Gallup unlikely to be ready for week one. Do you think that Jalen Tolbert could end up being the wide receiver two for this team if Michael Gallup were to miss uh, an extended period of time? Even when Michael Gallup gets back is what I'm saying, though. Like, if he were to miss, like, the first three weeks, you think Jalen Tolbert can secure this job as the wide receiver two? Messed up by asking him that question. Oh. Hot start. I mean, he he looked like he was waiting patiently. I was excited. I had I was intrigued. The suspense was rising as you asked the question. I definitely thought he was ready to go. Um, I mean, he if you want, good fellas, he doesn't look good. I, I could <laughs> doesn't look that. good. Bob doesn't look good. I, it's Let cool. me look I, at I, him. I, 
<laughs> we're just Dylan, gonna, what do you think? <laughs> we're just going to hide him for right now. We're just going to hide him for right now. And there he goes into the darkness. Um, but no, yeah, so Jalen Tolbert might be, might end up being the guy. And we have wide receiver rankings in just a few moments. So does anyone think Jalen Tolbert can end up being the guy in Dallas if Michael Gallup were to miss an extended period of time? So I'll say this, um, slight, slight spoiler alert. Um, you know, he was going to be my honorable mention. Uh, and not because I don't think he's good enough. Uh, I just, in, in my last, he would have made my last spot if I put him on and I decided to go another route and you'll see why when we talk about it, but we, we, we talked about Jalen Tolbert's ta- uh, talent when we were talking about the draft. We do think he's got a good pathway to be used in this offense. They throw the ball so much. So there will be targets in this offense for him, especially with Michael Gallup and, uh, uh, being injured for the beginning of the season. But, uh, Lo and behold, as I was doing my rankings and looking, Michael Gallup may be back sooner than a lot of people are actually expecting from what I've been reading in consensus. So, uh, you know, he's going to have to pop off immediately, I think, to con- to control a consistent pace of targets throughout the entirety of the season before Michael Gallup comes back. Mm-hmm. I like Michael Gallup, get Michael Gallup this season. Uh, now, hopefully assuming that, he is now going to be the wide receiver too with Dak Prescott. Now Amari Cooper gone. We're going to talk about that. The wide receivers in Dallas in just a few moments, but actually it looks like Aaron's back, buddy. So, this is probably even more frustrating for you because your internet was. Yeah. So see if you can answer the question while you're in it. It's good. Um, <laughs> the answer is no, I don't believe Jalen Tolbert is going to be the wide receiver too. I don't think Michael Gallup's going to be out as long. And I also don't think, Jalen Tolbert is going to be listed as a starter, nor will do, will he start? Um, I don't think that's a thing at all. I think James Washington being wow. a veteran that he is having the experience will start over him. And you guys may not know this name, but Noah Brown will get snaps over Jalen Tolbert. Start um, he's a better blocker in the run game. He's, he's been in that offense for three or four years now. I'm not saying Jalen Tolbert won't ultimately take over some of those guys as the season goes on, but to start the year, I don't, I don't believe Jalen Tolbert starts the year as a starter. Uh, I don't think that there's any chance that happens. And by the I time like, he does get in there, Michael Gallup should be returning and back in form. I don't buy that. That that's the that's the worry for me is that when Mike by the time Michael Gallup is is ready to return, whether it be week two, three, or four, it's not enough time for Jalen Tolbert to win that type of job. I liked him coming out of college. You guys know he was on he was in my top ten uh, for the wide receiver class. I liked him a lot. I think him being in Dallas is a good spot, but. I do agree that he might not end up being the wide receiver too anytime soon uh, in Dallas. But Aaron, while we still have you here for the brief moment, uh, the Chiefs and Orlando Brown are making headlines because they are nowhere close, quote, quote, nowhere close uh, on a deal. They franchise tagged him uh, this spring, but he still has not signed the tag and they are nowhere close on an extension. How does this impact the Chiefs uh, going into the season? I mean, Orlando Brown is a veteran. Why would you sign it? Look, this is this happened. We get this every year around this time. A few weeks before training camp, it's the dead time. None of these veterans want to go to training camp. None of these guys want to have to report and then go deal with the dog days of summer and have to go to these practices that they feel they don't need because they've been in the league for such a long time. Uh, the Chiefs will get this deal done because the Chiefs have invested too much in Patrick Mahomes not to get this deal done. I think this is a matter oh, of – Let's hold out. Let's wait. Uh, Orlando Brown doesn't really want to come to training camp anyways. Let's play this out a little bit longer, and then eventually they'll offer him a deal that he signs. 
So 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 what you're saying, and let me see if I'm getting this right here. It seems like based off what you said and what I'm seeing in the media, it's like the me- the media is trying to make this a really big story, always trying to hold out this and that. But in reality, it's Orlando Brown saying F training camp, F all these practices. I'm, I'm good to go ready for the season. I'll sign that damn thing when I'm ready. And then we just move on and go on with our happy ways. Yeah, there's no there's no rush, right? This is listen, we are all four <laughs> members of the media. When is the best? When is the most dead time for football? Right between now. June and July, it is right now before training <laughs> right camp. <now. laughs> Every reporter is looking for stories to talk about, so anything is going to seem like a big story, right? We've been yep. fortunate; we've had Baker Mayfield trade, and some things happen, but people are looking for stories, and this is the best we got. The guy, a veteran that's been a really good player in this league, who's quote holding out because he doesn't get a contract he likes. Things will happen as we get closer. It's fishing season. It is It is fishing season. That's 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 what it is for the media uh, right now. But that's our morning headlines. Now we're going to get into our rankings, our final rank it for our divisions. It's the NFC East tonight. And we've got not just one, but two different positional rankings because I feel like there's some some debate. There's some debate. So, AJ, you are the the leader of this clubhouse here when it comes to ranking. So we'll start with you. You are ranking the wide receivers in the NFC East, what's your list look like? All right. So uh, we mentioned a little bit ago, the honorable mention of Jalen Tolbert. Uh, we talked about, you know, how my eighth, eighth spot works before, uh, you know, before the show. But uh, so this is the way I went with it. And this is after looking at a couple of things and I enjoyed kind of making this list. Um, I'm starting at the top with CeeDee Lamb. I'm coming down to Terry McLaurin second. Um, to, to think about this, they made CeeDee Lamb the number one, Amari Cooper, whether it's money, whether it's aging, whether it's lack of production to an extent, they trust CD land to be the number one after a thousand yard season. And they throw the ball so entirely often. I think you'll have a good shot there. Terry McLaurin just read up and he's the heart and soul of that offense. Uh, the surprise that most people might have is AJ Brown at, at three. Now, uh, part of this is one, he's coming into that new offense, but he's a very talented receiver, but looking at Philadelphia last year, even when they needed to, they did not pass the ball as often as you would think. Uh, we're talking 21st to 23rd ranking and passing offense last season. And that's even when Miles Sanders was hurt. You can talk about Jalen Hurts taking away some of the targets because of his running capability. Uh, so I, I do think to start the season that that might hinder him a little bit. So I got him slotted in at third. And I think Devontae Smith comes right in there uh, to kind of contradict everything I just said. I think this <laughs> is still going to be a potent offense. So I think these two guys back and forth and with Jalen Hurts, can, can do some damage uh, on that offense uh, with the weapons they have. Uh, number five, I went Jahan Dotson. He's just a spectacular rookie, and uh, I think he's going to come in and fit right into that uh, to that Washington Commanders offense. Despite what we say about Carson Wentz, he does love to throw the deep ball, and Jahan Dotson's a speedster who, with incredible hands, and can be can be a deep threat. Number six, Kadarius Toney. Uh, we can argue with the talent. He could be higher, but there's so many questions in New York I mean, they were talking about him not even being there at the beginning of this season. Uh, we talked about the injury last year. Really, we're taking this off of a couple big games. Seven, Michael Gallup. He could be higher, probably should be higher, but coming off that injury, there's a chance he's either going to be out for the first four weeks, possibly five, and that's just what they're saying at this point in time. So I'm taking Gallup at seven with the thought process that he will be higher on this list, to be honest. Uh, and then number eight, I went Wandale Robinson, uh, grabbing another guy in the New York atmosphere, a rookie who we think is talented. And honestly, there ain't nobody else in there that really excites you. So why not take a flyer on Wandale hey, and see if he hey. takes over Kenny, 
Kenny not so smooth me and Sterling can't stay on the field. Shepard and Darius was once upon a time fun slate. So that's uh, wow. that's the eight I went with, and uh, I'm cool with it. I'm all right. Okay, with it. I feel okay. I feel all right with it. Aaron, how does this look? How does this look compared to uh, last night's list? How, how are you feeling about this list today? It's a much better. It's a much better list. It's a much better list. Probably AJ's best list so far. Um, I I have a few. I, I have a few that I, I don't agree with, but I, he gave pretty good reasoning as to why. Um, I think Jahan Dodson is a little bit too high for me. I have I have Michael Gallup ahead of those guys. Um, I'm okay with one through four. When if you had AJ Brown at two instead of Terry McLaurin, uh, but I, I did like Terry McLaurin there for one reason: uh, the inaccuracies of the Jalen Hurts, and also there's a little bit more mouths defeated in Philly now with Devontae and AJ Brown. They might split some of those targets that um, Terry McLaurin, I still think, is going to be the heavy favorite for volume there in Washington. Um, I, I would have put Kenny Galladay on the list. I I know he had a bad year, and I know it wasn't the ideal situation for him but they've paid too much money for him and they've invested a lot in him to just not play him so i think he's going to be on the field and i have to assume it's better it's better than it was last year um i would have picked him over probably uh uh wandell robinson for sure yeah. darius tony's tricky because i do think they want to get him the ball so i probably still have tony yeah. over kenny galladay but i think kenny galladay might have been my number two. my question comes so. in at that eight spot too and another name that I got, sorry, didn't mean to cut you off there. No, go ahead, go ahead, um, go ahead. I was thinking, you, you mentioned paying big money. Someone who had a bad year last year. I still wouldn't 100% rule out a Curtis Samuel. I think that guy could have a bounce back year this year. Not saying he's going to be spectacular or anything, but I think I, I like moving Dotson off of five. I think maybe sliding Gallup to five, maybe maybe Tony's at five. Somewhere the five, six is Tony Gallup, whichever way you want to put it. Seven, I think, is safe with someone like a, like a Jahan Dotson, a rookie. And then at eight, I'm looking at it, either a Kenny Galladay, uh, a, a Curtis Samuel, someone like that. Uh, I wouldn't go as far to say like a Zach Pascal in Philly or someone like that. But I think a wide receiver three that's solid like that is more that has a better track record that has shown that they can be a good fantasy receiver as opposed to yet another rookie in a crowded wide receiver room. I mean, they really, so, they uh, really liked like Curtis Samuel, though. They really, I, I mean, Ron Rivera really liked her. That's not a big deal. That's not a bad yeah, take they at paid all. him a lot of money. Yeah, they paid him yeah. a lot of money. I worry about the volume um, in, a, in a Washington offense to support three in the top eight. Because um, mm-hmm. you also got to count for JD McKissick. It, that might yep. be a Curtis Samuel instead of a Jahan Dotson. Yeah. It would not surprise me. Uh, being right. Jahan Dotson's a rookie, um, I think the Curtis Samuel play is sneaky play. He's got to stay healthy. Right. Yeah. He's, he, that's yeah. And, and that was, that was my thing. Healthy. He was one of the guys that I wanted to put on the list. But, I mean, to be honest, he's he's more of an exciting player than a he's shown it type player. When he's been on the field, there's been some electric moments. But there hasn't been a level of consistency that makes me strong enough to put him on this list. Now, talking about that eight spot, you weren't here yet, Aaron. I told him that eight spot for me throughout all these rankings has just been kind of been my wild card. Like, let's throw some guy on there that no one's really thinking about. And, like, who knows? Maybe they have one of those seasons that pop off. And with Jahan Dotson, man, he's just so damn talented. I know I've said that about the rookies that I have put into that top five, top six. I just, I think they really like him in Washington. And I think they're going to try to find ways to get him the ball, to give Terry McLaurin, not a rest, but make sure that everyone knows you're not just guarding Terry McLaurin. You're not just guarding Antonio Gibson. Like we have weapons on both sides of the field that you have to pay attention to. So uh, that that was a thought process there. And then Kenny G just kind of scares me. I, I, I don't know if he'll ever get it back. And if it is, I don't know if it'll be in New York. Yeah. Is there, and, and, and 
I'm not sure about this. Has Carson Wentz ever had uh, multiple wide receiver options be relevant in fantasy when his time was with Indianapolis and, and Bill Philadelphia? Well, no. I mean, you can't do that because everybody complained about the weapons he had in Philly. So that's not fair. He didn't even have right. the weapons in Philly. Not well, really I, I, ever had that the was chance. Just, that, that was just me asking. I, I could not, not recall if that I was, was going to go there. On Jeffrey. But, but no, you bring up the tight ends, though. It's it's the tight yeah, – it's well, being yeah. able to, to, to support I was going to the multiple, Goddard and Alshon. That's, I was that's going to the multiple quarterbacks in the division. Like, we're li- listing these guys. Some of these guys are just not going to be – I mean, they're going to be fantasy relevant in some sense. They'll have weeks where you can play them. Right. But from top to bottom, this is a weak quarterback division that we have questions about Daniel Jones, Carson Wentz, uh, Jalen Hurts. The only one that we know is solid is Dak Prescott. We know he's going to put up numbers when healthy, and we know somebody's going to catch the ball out there. Whoever's on the field is going to be fantasy relevant because they always have. So I worry about, and I don't want to say I worry about guys like A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith because I think they're both going to be good. But if Jalen Hurts turns out to be the inaccurate quarterback that he's been over the past, you know, two seasons, or they run the ball significant, those guys are, fantasy value is going to take a significant hit and I think we're not going to get the value of what we thought those players could be. Same thing in Washington with Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel, and Terry McLaurin. That's great you have all those weapons. But if Carson Wentz isn't good, that's not going to matter. One of them might be fantasy relevant, but it's going to be hard for two and three to yeah. get on that radar in a fantasy Let's let's shift over to the running back position. And Dylan, you had the honors of breaking down the oh, top shit. running backs in the <laughs> NFC East. <laughs> Uh, surprise, surprise. So let's break it down. Running backs, <laughs> wait, NFC. Wait, 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 wait. Before you bring up the list, you tasked the man who hates Zeke, who That's hates Saquon Barkley. I texted him that immediately. That's said, why. You sure you want to give me these running there's, backs? There's a reason. There's a method to my madness here. So this is this is it. This is it right here. There's Boston a reason Scott why. I give, number one. I'm slapping there, him. There, there's a reason why I've given AJ the, the task of doing the rankings because normally he throws in a wild card. And it's a very good talking point. And then with Dylan, you have no idea where Dylan's going to go. <laughs> and, and so this is where this works. So Dylan, take it over. What's the running backs in the NFCs look like? Honestly, this list was fairly easy for me. I'm sure Aaron will have his fair share of debates with number eight. But let's just start off the top. I mean, you can't go wrong. It's Ezekiel Elliott, Saquon Barkley, Antonio Gibson, Miles Sanders. I wanted to put Sanders higher. I'll get into him in a second. Tony Pollard has a lot of value. J.D. McKissick, a great pass catcher. I, I, you know, it really bothers me sometimes people um, it, when it comes to PPR wide or running backs to catch passes out of the backfield. People are afraid of James White's. People are afraid of Danny Woodhead's, Deion Lewis's, the, these guys that just catch passes out of the backfield. But I mean, they do it, they, they do it year after year. Every, I remember Aaron last year. Oh, screw McKissick. That boy ain't nothing. Antonio Gibson's a three down back. Well, Gibson st- or McKissick still had a role and he still put up numbers and he was fantasy relevant. I, I, that's why I think he's a, he's a solid seven on this list. I think he's still a, or, or rather a six on the list. Kenneth Gainwell, I feel, I, I mean, there's still something in the tank for him. And laugh at me if you want for having Matt Breed on the list, okay? But this guy's yard per, yard per carries are nuts. Uh, Saquon Barkley shown he's been inconsistent when, when he's not healthy. Um, say he misses games, whatever. Matt Breed is a, a solid backup in this league. That kind of got overlooked last year because he was in Buffalo and barely saw the field. But this is a guy who led his team in rushing in 2018, a guy whose yards per carry is absolutely through the roof uh, when you look at his total. He averages throughout his NFL career 4.9 yards per carry. 
Um, he's got seven touchdowns in his career. He's a solid backup running back. And if I think he's a decent enough handcuff to where, hey, if, if Saquon does go down, he can provide fantasy value as opposed to throw a dart up there with a Brian, Brian Robinson in a, in a backfield that's a little bit crowded in, in Washington with a bunch of shit there. I think at least there's a clear path for Breida if he does see the field. Haven't we seen that in New York though? With like when when Saquon goes down, the the running Devontae back that Booker? always fills it. I mean, Devontae Booker was it? Wayne Gallman, like that. They, it just happens in New York where if and when Saquon Barkley does go down, that RB two that steps up normally lately has been productive and has been fantasy relevant. I mean, Wayne Gallman was hot last. Like I remember he, he was he was a hotness. He was a hot pick. Uh, for fa- for fantasy owners, so I don't hate your Matt Breida take at all. To be completely honest, I, I, I was I I was impressed by that take. It's a big word, impressed by Matt uh, Breida. <laughs> I'll, I'll just say this: I don't, I'll just say this. You can't hate on the Matt Breida at eight because no matter what running back you put there, I'm probably laughing. at Brian Robinson. I'm going to tell you, Jared Patterson might be the guy in Washington yeah. after Antonio Gibson. You said Antonio <laughs> or Jared Patterson. Putting Matt Breida there is simply a product of you saying Saquon's been injured. He's the backup in New York. He would get the first opportunity, and that makes him fantasy relevant. No That's all that does. It's it's but, not Matt Breida has fantasy relevance. He has zero I, I, fantasy relevance. With neither Saquon does Brian no, Robinson or Jerry Patterson or But that's not else. true. That That's not true. That's not true because yeah. the upside of a Brian Robinson could overtake somebody and be on the field even if Antonio Gibson's there. Matt Breda is not supplanting anybody. I think I think it's I think on this though is something something that we we haven't talked about there. I mean, you brought up Brian Robinson and saying okay, like if he were to be the guy, who's to say he can't be the like if he steps in, he can't be that dude. But we have seen it in New York where with multiple running backs. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying, no, 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 listen, 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 listen. What I'm saying, what brings confidence in, and this not just being a, oh, insert RB3, RB2 in your number eight spot, Matt Breida might be the safest person to put in that RB or in that eighth spot because of the history that we have seen in New York. It is not like throwing a Brian Robinson out there. It is not like throwing a Boston Scott out there. It is not like throwing any of those guys out there. We have seen in New York, the, uh, the guy who comes in for Saquon Barkley is product has been productive. You've seen it in both the places you just mentioned. You saw it in Washington last year when Jared Patterson got the run over Antonio Gibson when he was bitched. He was fantasy relevant. You saw Boston Scott be fantasy relevant. Was, you saw well, Kenneth Gainwell be fantasy yeah, relevant. Were any, when of, those were guys, any of those opportunities when those guys coming. are injured? What I'm saying, what I'm saying is, any, anybody that's a backup running back in the situation that Matt Breed is in, if the start, if the lead back goes out, yeah, the backup's going to be fantasy relevant because running backs aren't defined. What I'm saying is, when you put pick that eighth spot, I'm and I'm I'm not arguing with Matt Breed being there. I'm really not. I'm looking for a guy that may have fantasy relevance without needing an injury. Brian Robinson could be that. Kenneth Gainwell could take over Miles Sanders as bad as he played Didn't at last times year. last year. Kenneth Gainwell got run over Miles Sanders last year. If you watch the beginning of the season, remember, he was scoring, Vinny. We were mad week yeah. one, two, yeah. and three. Yeah. Those guys were getting carries and run week one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, Man, eight, 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 all through because Miles Sanders didn't have a goddamn touchdown last year. That's that's all I'm saying is I get your point with Saquon, especially the injuries he's gone through. Matt Breda can fit in at number eight. 
I'm just like, I also, I look for guys that I know have an upside and potentially don't need that. And Matt Breida will never surplant Saquon Barkley if they're healthy. So that's what I'm saying. He needs things to happen for him. That's all. I I like to pick Nate. I didn't even want to talk about he needs Bring something. The list back up. He Bring needs the list something back up. to happen that has happened for three straight years. Bring the list back up. And I, I'm going to debunk this this thought for the final time. I am done yeah. talking about this topic of JD McKissick and James White and these cat catching backs that you think are so valuable, Mister. Oh, JD McKissick had a great year last year. JD McKissick finished his RB 37. He had 212 yards rushing. And three hundred. He's not a rusher. No, 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 no. He had a total of five hundred yards on the year with four touchdowns. He was running back thirty-seven in his career, which you said he's always been productive. He has finished no better than running back thirty-seven. He's been, or except for one year in twenty twenty, and that was the big year with Antonio Gibson when he had eighty catches. He's finished running back fifty-five, one thirty-six, forty-nine, one twenty-eight. Those are all PPR. Stop with this. Oh, he's productive. He always does it year after year. It's false. Not true. Fake narrative. You're not drafting J.D. McKissick. Mr. Mr. Aaron Mukes, um, I, I'm coming to you with the notion that I know what I'm getting from a J.D. McKissick. I know his role. I know he's going to catch passes out of the backfield. And don't make that face. Don't put your hand on your head. Don't put your hand on your head, Aaron. You're okay? getting nothing. No. The same no, you, guy you who doesn't want to throw DK to the okay. you're going to tell me you know what you're getting? You know what? what you're getting from J.D. McKissick? What? From week in, yeah, week out? I know a guy who's going to come in on third down and catch balls because he did last year when you said, oh, Antonio ah. Gibson will be out there. He wasn't. Dylan, McKissick he had 43 catches, catches last year in 17 yeah. games. 40. Yeah. How many? That's less. That's like two a game. He missed games last year. Oh, my gosh. He did. Oh my gosh. Yeah, he did. He did. Yeah. It's kind of hard to catch more than 43 balls in six in whatever games because Dylan. he missed games. Dylan. J.D. McKissick has had one good season. Yeah. One. Yeah. He's never had – he had one good year in 2020. Prior to that, he had 34 catches, 34 catches. This is not some guy that is a high-volume guy. You watch one week when he has a great week, and then you go right to, oh, he's productive. That is so false. It is the biggest fake narrative out there. You talk about him taking away from Antonio Gibson. Say what you want. And don't, Antonio Gibson finishes RB12. And you want to talk about all the inconsistencies you don't like from players, and yet J.D. McKissick, who has one week with one catch for six yards, and then maybe three weeks out of the year he goes hard and gets eight catches, 60 yards, and two touchdowns, but that's the guy you want on your team? But you cry I about everybody ever, else no. being consistent. And it, it, it goes back to this. Have you ever drafted to... J.D. McKissick? Yes, every I drafted him last year. You remember J.D. McKissick goes undrafted damn near every year in fantasy football. I got him for a dollar in an auction draft. In, uh, and I then pick somebody him up, picks him up on the nice waiver. Okay, but so what that's I'm saying, different than picking him up. Drafting is I not the same. Point. It, it's, it might be the driving point here. So I like I like someone like a Carson Wentz who checks down. He checked down to Sproles. Like, he looks down at these guys. He will check down to a J.D. McKissick. And Aaron, by golly, it's six on the list, okay? Are, are you more confident? <laughs> Would you rather me have Kenneth Gainwell up there who's going to surpass? No, 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 Mr. no. Mr. This Mr. wasn't Miles about Daniel. where he oh, had him on the list. This wasn't about where AJ had, or you had him on the list. It's about what you said about him. I have no problem with JD McKissick being sixth on the list. Because the point where is, he when should you talk, be. But when you talk about a player and you just give false information about he's productive, he does it year in and year out, that is false. That is not a true, accurate statement. He doesn't do it year in and year out. He did it for one season. 
One season. You can't even point to last year. He sucked last year. Yeah. Uh, I, now he's got a quarterback that checks down. I like him. Oh, oh okay. Does Taylor Heineke never checks down. Know. Oh, goodness gracious. All right, now let's move on to our fantasy outlooks for these NFC East teams. We're going to start things off with the Dallas Cowboys. We're going to try and shift everything over back to the wide receiver position. Back to you, AJ. We talk about Michael Gallup to kick off the show. You had CeeDee Lamb at number one on your wide receiver list. Yesterday's show, if you haven't checked it out, go check it out on YouTube and all podcasting platforms. We talked about how... What was the wide receiver group? It was Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis. We talked about how they could potentially have that type of season where it's like a Jamar Chase, a T. Higgins, where both wide receivers are heavily fantasy relevant. Maybe not two wide receiver ones, but a wide receiver one, a wide receiver two solid seasons. Michael Gallup, CeeDee Lamb, how should we view those two wide receivers and do they have that type of potential? As wide receiver ones for both of them? Yeah, that type of high, that what, like what we talked about last night with Gabe Davis and Stephon Diggs, where they have the potential to be high-end wide receiver two and a wide receiver one, something along those lines. So I think CeeDee Lamb has absolute potential to be a wide receiver one, and I think you're getting high-end wide receiver two from Michael Gallup if he comes back in that early time frame I discussed and if he stays healthy for the rest of the season. Let's not forget, he missed the first half of the season before coming back and being serviceable and then going out in week 17. The fact that they're talking about week three or four after an ACL tear in week 17 is actually fantastic. And, you know, props to him if he can make it happen. Uh, so I think he has wide receiver two potential. He can do a lot of things. But C.D. Lamb, I've been on him since he was drafted. Uh, I thought last year he would take over the number one spot. And, you know, you look at the stats, you look at the way the season went, you could argue that. Uh, but the biggest part of this entirety is that Dallas just throws the ball so much. And I know we're not talking Dak yet, but when you look at it, this man threw the ball over 35 times, 14 times last season. He threw the ball over 50 times, twice, over 40 times, three times. Like, they are throwing the ball heavily heavily in Dallas and with that amount of target share going around whether it's a CD whether it's to Michael Gallup whether it's to uh, Noah Brown and Jalen Tobert and James Washington and Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard there are targets to go around uh, CD Lamb was given the keys they they got rid of Amari Cooper they did pay Gallup to help him out but CD Lamb is expected to step up and be the number one receiver and I think he has the potential to do so in Dallas and in fantasy uh, and Michael Gallup is always going to be a guy who, when he's on the field, you feel like you can trust and you feel like you're going to get good production out of week in and week out. So being on a high-powered offense like that and probably one of the best teams, if not the best team in the NFC East, uh, you, you can look for some great fantasy production from both of those guys. Dak Prescott, for the past two full seasons, has thrown 596 times. 596 attempts both in 2021 and 2019 uh it kind of actually ties into my question to aaron and really it ties into what aj just said talk about how much dallas is throwing dallas has something now that i don't remember the last time they had this good of a d i don't remember the last time they had this good of a defense and i know we don't talk too much about dsts and fantasy football but we're not going to talk about dsts and fantasy football to you, Aaron, how does having a good defense, though, impact the offensive production from a Dak Prescott and even to a CeeDee Lamb or a Michael Gallup? I can't believe you asked me this question. 
What the so hell so does a defense got to do with my fantasy football? I, no, hear me out here. I saw the I, I I read this today, trying to get the show ready. I'm like, okay, well, how what kind of questions am I going to ask about the Dallas Cowboys? And I saw someone bring up the fact that the only concern with Dak Prescott not being arguably a top five quarterback in fantasy football is if Dallas is in more game scripts where their defense is controlling the game, they're shutting a team out, keeping them with not as many points to the point where you don't have to have Dak Prescott throw that many times. You don't, which, which then turns into CD lamb, not getting as much work, which then turns into Michael Gallup, not getting into that much work, not saying that they're not going to be relevant, not, not saying that they're going to take that big of a hit. But it is an interesting thing to think about if if your defense is that good to where your offense doesn't need to do as much. It's a reach. It's a reach for people trying to find okay. something to talk about in fantasy football. Let's, let's be honest. Dak Prescott threw the ball 596 times last year, right? They had one of the best defenses in football last year. So what changed? Uh, the fact is they played, first of all, they played three games, six games, I'm sorry, against the NFC. He usually torches the NFC. But we don't talk about going back to 2016. Dak Prescott was the number seven PPR quarterback his rookie year. He threw 459 times. Very next year, he was number 10 quarterback. He threw 490. So this is not a guy that's always had this high volume. Dak Prescott has always been efficient in their offense. So the Cowboys are going to score points because that way that offense is built, they are going to put up numbers. Their defense is happens to be good. The fantasy impact has none on Dak Prescott. He's throwing the ball more now than he's running it than he was running it before. But the touchdowns, the the yardage, it's still going to be there. That offense is just the way it's run. It's too good of an offense not to put up fantasy numbers. Does that equate to wins? No, not always as we've seen. But they will put up fantasy numbers. Dak Prescott is a lock to be a top ten quarterback. Uh, in my opinion, he hasn't been less than a top ten quarterback except for one year. And that was in 2018 when I believe Zeke. Missed time, and then obviously the year he uh, broke his whatever play. Yeah, you know the nasty. I'm, re- I'm pretty sure in that year, in that year he was quarterback twelve. He was still a, he was still a QB one, a, a low end QB one. In the year in what 2018, the last the, the the year you talked about him not being a top ten quarterback. Yeah, he was QB like fourteen. I mean, he was close. It was he was not yeah. quite a, a QB one, but Zeke was suspended. Six, I mean, they were bad. They were they were pretty bad. So. um I don't see this. I think the biggest impact we talk is at the wide receiver position. I, Michael Gallup, if he plays an entire year, is going to be a high-end wide receiver too. If you remember, Michael Gallup had the year uh, when Amari Cooper got traded there, they had three guys with a thousand, with almost a thousand yards. Like uh, he had 1,100 yards, six touchdowns. Like there is, there is room for Michael, for that wide receiver too in Dallas. If there is a sustainable wide receiver there, be a high-end fantasy valuable high-end valuable fantasy asset um it's just about whether he's going to be ready uh, but if you even if you can get him down the stretch i think Dak prescott's going to be quarterback seven could be he's legit. higher he could be higher they're talking about running him more this year i don't buy it but i do buy the stuff of him saying he feels like he's in the best shape of his career a year now removed from his leg been working out like crazy his body i know dylan always laughs when but his body looks good. You know what I mean? It's not like he's looking slow or anything. Uh, what have you seen? No, nice. so he might get back to the running for touchdowns near the red zone, which his first two or three years, he had six each of those years, which we talk about in fantasy. So good. 
Let's talk about Michael. We talk about Michael Gallup. He is going right now as the wide receiver 50. Too late. And Too late. that's, that's, yeah, that that right there. I mean, that's he's going right around guys like I mean, he's going behind Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Alan Lazard, Kadarius Tony, Chase Claypool. I'd have him over all those guys. To be completely too. honest, do you, the fear do you is. Think, do you think here's the end. is is he the is he one of those players? We talked about it on these shows before, where as we get closer to real draft season and you start getting the reports from training yep. camp and how his health is doing. He's going to be one of those players that you see climb right back up draft boards. How high do you think he ends up climbing up, though? At draft time, if if he still progresses and is looking to be on track to come back within the first three weeks of the regular season, how high do you think he – where do you think he should be getting drafted? He comes back by week three. I'm drafting him right where I, guys like Adam Thielen are being drafted. Wide receiver 28, okay. 29, 30. I'm, I'm, I'm drafting them there because I don't think there's a chance in hell if he plays 14 out of the 17 weeks that he's not a wide receiver. Hopefully these camp reports don't really AJ that's Green I, in the ass. I mean, that's that's the way they did a few years yeah. ago. Remember, they were like, oh, he got his toe. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Oh, no, it's yeah. not okay. <laughs> that's him. honestly, yeah. though, that's, um, that's where just kind of do, being diligent, doing your research on players, um, AJ Green had a little bit of turmoil, right, with the organization. He wasn't happy. Michael Gallup's there. They paid him. Like he's there. He's playing for him. He wants Michael to get Thomas back on the field. Uh, and and you hope that he doesn't turn into a guy like Michael Thomas, which I don't think he will. Uh, but you know, from what I know about Michael Gallup, not that I follow him or anything, but you know, I, I do follow his social media. How's his body? He's a. Uh, you, you mean he's a? You mean to tell me? You mean to tell me you don't follow Michael Gallup like Dylan follows Jesse Bates? No, no. I mean, I could tell you what he posts on his Instagram and how he works out and okay. how he's like, he's a different type of breed and all that stuff, but that don't mean nothing. <laughs> he doesn't work he out different. Instagram. He built different. He doesn't work out <laughs> Michael Gallup is, Michael Gallup I know is all about football, at least what he posts to the public. Like everything he posts is about football. He loves the sport. So I, I think he will be a guy that wants to get back on the field. And he said it a number of times, um, Week three, give me him at wide receiver, 28, 29, 30. Can he run a four? No way he goes to wide no way he goes to wide receiver. I will no. take him in every His draft way before that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He will end up he'll end up getting up there come draft time. Let's go over to the Eagles, though, here. Uh Dylan, we'll kick things off with you here. Miles Sanders, last year, obviously, the story is it's right there. <laughs> Zero touchdowns for Miles Sanders last year. Broke a lot of people's hearts. He was he was a fantasy darling heading into last season and then ended up falling off. And I don't want to say falling off, but disappointing uh, fantasy owners. How should fantasy owners this year feel about Miles Sanders? I love Booby Sanders. My gosh. Miles Sanders, are you kidding me? I mean, I, I know a lot of people are pissed off. He didn't find the end zone. It's an offense that didn't really get it done. Last year, the guy... Uh, missed a few games throughout the course of the season, right in the middle of the season. They, he missed some games. But this guy, when he got the carries, was in great shape. And something clicked about halfway through last year, right? They were three and six. They realized, man, what we're doing with Kenneth Gainwell, shot on Aaron, and the way they throw the ball and everything in the first half <laughs> didn't really work out. So about midseason, when they, once they were three and six, they're like, man, we need to run the damn ball. And that's what they did. Uh, right then, this is uh, Miles. I mean, he was all over the place, right? Yards per carries were intense. Um, it looked 4.93. 
I mean, uh, 5.88, five yards per carry, 7.28. He gets he gets great yards per carry. He gets great run. And you look at uh, week 14, he was RB14 there. Um, it actually is six for 94, uh, the 5.88 he had. That's against the New Orleans Saints, the number one rush defense last year. It doesn't matter his matchups. He did that against the number eight defense, 131 yards, ripped that off. I don't care about that. I think this guy is built for a good season this year. And I know you can say what you want about Boston Scott Kenneth Gainwell being there. When he gets the carries, he will be productive. And I believe he will get the carries this year because he's in a contract year. They're going to try to ride him all throughout the course of the year. And if any indication shows the way that they ran the ball towards the end of last year, they're going to start giving him that work. Hopefully he finds the end zone. I think it's something he could do. He only has nine career touchdowns across three years. But all I'm saying is keep your close eye on Miles Sanders. He's not going to be an RB1, but maybe he could be an RB2 or at least a solid flex throughout the course of this year. I think he's being underdrafted uh, where he's at right now. I think contract year volume alone should get him enough carries because those, those carries that he had towards the end of the year, three out of the last five weeks, he went hard. Right now, Dylan. he's being drafted as the RB26. Great, great take, Dylan. Uh, I agree with everything you said except for one thing. My only concern about Miles Sanders is the volume that he's going to get. I don't know if he can. I, I don't know that I believe he can be a guy that gets the volume that I believe he should get. Uh, on the field, there's no debate. I think the dude is special. Um, but he just doesn't make it through games. And I'm so, like, I, I want miles sanders to break out because i do believe i've been i've been a big miles sanders fan for first three years of his career he lets me down every year and i still go back to the well every year because i do see the potential and you mentioned the games he had um i I just worry like he's the guy that gets you nine carries and then his brains a toe leaves the game comes back in the fourth quarter gets two more carries and you're just like so frustrated with that um this is it to me this is probably my last year on Miles Sanders. If it doesn't happen this year with the weapons they have on the outside, the spacing they do in their offense and their running game with that offensive line, which is pretty good. Um, then I, I probably give up on Miles. Sanders. But you said everything you said about him is, is spot on. Wow. He only had 21 red zone carries uh, last season as well. Like, do you think that changes at all? This season? Is that, is that a stat that we could see change this season? So I, it's hard with a player like that because 21 red zones, uh, red, red zone carries or whatever. He, he didn't have that many carries on the entire season. And then you talk about him missing. And then, yeah. And you talk about missing five games. Like I don't read too much into that. So you said he had what? 135 carries. Yes. So if he had 135 carries and 21 of those were red zone carries, that's a pretty decent percentage. That means what a little over like a seventh of his carries were, inside the red zone. I don't think there's anything to that. I think they'll use them by the goal line. It's not like they have some goal line back that they take. I don't his know. Scott put seven in the touchdown, the end zone. Yeah. Uh, when Miles Sanders yeah. didn't play or when he was hurt, Boston yeah. Scott gets in the <laughs> game like that. Get in. I'll tell you, Miles Sanders likes wide in the red zone. Can't sniff it. <laughs> AJ, obviously the addition of AJ Brown to this offense changes everything or adds a different layer to this offense but the quarterback is still jalen hurts he you talked about it earlier on in the show with how you ranked aj brown behind a terry mclaurin because of jalen hurts rushing ability and what he brings to the table at the quarterback position how does jalen hurts impact aj brown's fantasy production as a whole from what we are used to seeing 
uh, him produce in Tennessee? I I just think it gives another level of a dynamic playmaker when it comes to Jalen Hurts. Not to get me wrong, Ryan Tannehill, when he began, he could scramble a little bit. He'd get out of the pocket, do this and that here and there. But it wasn't the big threat. If the play broke down, sure, Ryan Tannehill could get loose. But Jalen Hurts is a guy you have to like prepare for to take off as soon as the ball is snapped. Uh, We're talking about a guy who ran the ball double digits at least seven times last season. This year, I think the whole point of getting an A.J. Brown was to be able to allow him to unleash his arm a little more. Jalen Hurts hasn't had the best stats when it comes to uh, throwing the ball, only averaged 61% on completion rate last year. But I think that he's capable of better than that. We've seen him be great in college. We've seen the talent step up to the NFL. I think he's going to benefit this year from having the same play caller for the first time since high school. I think he's going to benefit from having weapons just about anywhere he looks. And then when it comes to the A.J. Brown factor, these guys have such a strong friendship. I believe that in a good way, they're going to try to force the issue. I'm not saying making dumb passes and throwing ones you shouldn't, but I think he wants to get A.J. Brown the ball. I think he wants A.J. Brown to show that he was worth $100 million that they paid him. I think A.J. Brown wants Jalen Hurts to succeed. I think you're going to see a lot of these guys, A.J. Brown using his yards after catch to make Jalen Hurts look better. I think uh, Jalen Hurts using his his vision, his ability to get the ball to a big body like A.J. Brown will show some of the talent that A.J. Brown possesses. I'm I'm very high on the Eagles as an entire offense this year, and honestly as Jalen Hurts as a QB for fantasy purposes. I think, I think he has top five potential this season. I like how you brought emotion and, and mental stuff and like not the other other things other than the on-field stuff. It's, it's their friendship. He, right. now he brought up their yeah, friendship. Let me know the last you know, time. That's my, let me know the last time my, friendship uh, helped you be more accurate as a quarterback. <laughs> um, the only thing I'll say, I, there's Ouch. one thing that I, I, I consistently worry Ouch. about with Jalen Hurts. It is the accuracy. Um, I agree. Fantasy-wise, I don't think there's a debate here. Jalen Hurts is going to be one of the top fantasy quarterbacks because of his legs alone. He'll throw enough because he's a quarterback. The accuracy is a problem for me, though. Uh, most quarterbacks, when you're inaccurate, you can't learn that. Like, it's just something you're, you pretty much struggle with accuracy your entire career. I've seen it with guys before. Quarterbacks usually don't become more accurate. The accurate passers remain accurate passers. Jalen Hurts was not an accurate passer in college. He had the fortune of playing at Oklahoma his last year, which threw the ball two yards down the line of scrimmage, which completed a lot of passes but he's never been known as an accurate passer. Uh, So I worry about that in an NFL offense for longevity for him as a football player, but from a fantasy perspective, go draft him. So what, and Aaron, you love to just absolutely shit on these types of questions, but I did, and I have seen some people concerned with AJ Brown in fantasy this season. So shifting it to the AJ Brown part of it, and they're concerned with what Jalen Hurts brings. Yeah. What do you have to say to those people that think that this might be a da- like a downgrade for AJ Brown? I don't think it's a downgrade. They're they're going to probably throw the ball a little bit more in Tennessee because Tennessee is a strictly a run offense. And mm-hmm. let's not let's not miss words here. It's not like Ryan Tannehill's accurate. He's one of the most inaccurate quarterbacks in the NFL as well. So it's not like he's going from a super accurate quarterback to somebody that's inaccurate. Um, I think the biggest thing that helps A.J. Brown to keep him from having that bad year is Jalen Hurts' escapability. There are going to be a lot of broken plays that are going to find A.J. Brown. Defenders get lost. A.J. Brown's going to catch the ball. And there might not be, outside of a Tyreek Hill and maybe a few others, 
There's not many guys that are better with the ball in their hands after the catch than A.J. Brown. He's a physical specimen, hard to tackle, got blazing speed, and he brings a lot after he catches the football. So I think what he loses in maybe the opportunity because he was the only target in Tennessee, now you have Devontae Smith, I think he gains in broken plays and, and just his physical prowess on the football field. Um, and maybe there is a little bit of a connection there with Jalen Hurts that Jalen wants to get him the ball a little bit more. Um, it's good friendship. Outside of maybe Dylan's point being correct a couple of weeks ago, maybe Philly decides to be run heavy. And if that's the case, if they turn into this, hey, we're going to run the ball a ton, and Jalen Hurts is still only going to throw 25 passes a game, that could hurt both him and Devontae. I, that was one more point I wanted to bring up on Sanders. Essentially, you mentioned if they were to run the ball a little bit more, their defense is a lot better this year, too. They could be in games where they do tend to run the ball a little bit later if they get leads, and I think that could help them. Last year, they were playing from behind a little bit. They were game scripted. Plus, their schedule's a cakewalk this year. Is it? Yeah. You want to read it? We haven't got a schedule break. We haven't really got down to schedule breakdowns, have we? Like they got really the Lions, close to the well, Commanders, and Jags well, three of the first four hey, weeks. We talked about this when we first broke down the schedule when they came out. We all know this. Looking at a schedule is nice, but once the game starts, that shit don't mean nothing. We'll see. Because there's going to be six new playoffs games put up numbers with Come on. Yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll uh, we'll di- we'll that's, we'll, that's uh, we'll dissect more of the. <laughs> We'll dissect the fantasy, the fantasy football schedules for these players closer to the season. Let's move on to the Washington Commanders here. AJ, you and your love for Carson Wentz. I'm kidding. Just put a I'm ring kidding. on it already. Just kidding. Yeah, he should. He should. Oh, well, no, Carson. Carson Wentz already has a hey, ring. You and, so hey, you and Stewie can both be uh, engaged. Oh, goodness gracious. Okay. Carson Wentz. How does Wentz impact Terry McLaurin. Obviously, Terry McLaurin has been quarterback proof, but he hasn't had Carson Wentz as his quarterback. So how does that impact <laughs> Terry McLaurin? Carson Wentz is still the best quarterback Terry McLaurin has played with in the NFL. Like, like We're talking about an upgrade from Taylor Heineke. Sure, he was fun. Sure, the crowd loved him when he won game one or when he dove for the pylon in the playoffs. But Carson Wentz is a better quarterback than Taylor Heineke. Carson Wentz is a better quarterback than what hipless Ryan P- Fitzpatrick would have been. The other part of it is Carson Wentz disrespectful. What about Alex Smith? Is it? I mean, <laughs> Alex Smith might have got there, but you know, then he went out like Theisman. So again, <laughs> I stay where I'm at. <laughs> Anyways, um, I think Terry McLaurin. I, I don't want to say that it's going to be a huge, huge difference because, in all honesty, like you said, McLaurin's been quarterback proof he's been able to put up numbers regardless of who's been there what i do think will happen is terry mclaurin may be able to be a deep threat if if they so choose to use him that way because carson wentz does like to throw the ball down the field carson wentz was uh top five in the an de- average depth of targets three of the last five seasons and in, in two of those he was in the top five so uh, i think that you're going to see a couple more uh opportunities for terry mclaurin down the field I think that may open up some of the extra points, especially if you play in some of those like whack leagues with like 40 plus yards, 50 plus yards, stats and things of that nature. Uh, but other than that, I mean, he's going to, he's going to be able to show if he can be another year better with a quarterback that hasn't, that is better than what he's played with for lack of better words to use. <laughs> <laughs> Terry McLaurin. Doesn't matter who plays. Quarterback. Yeah. The problem is I'll say it Same again. Guy who can't catch. I'll say I'll say it again, and I it's just so it 
hurts me because I love Terry McGinnis. It doesn't matter. His name value has more than his actual production. It's not great. Like not people keep talking State. about Terry McLaurin is great, but he's not a great fantasy option. He's a, a he's a good the wide receiver too. Never finished better than wide receiver twenty. In three seasons, he's put yeah, up that'll... thousand yards every I'll year. I'll still take that. No, I'm not saying you don't take it. What I'm saying is that there are people out there that will, Terry McLaurin's name will get you a trade deal that you'll be like, I don't know how I just robbed this guy for the wide receiver 20. Like, (laughs) you look at some of the other guys that sit around wide receiver 20. Like, Hunter Renfro put up a a year like that. Like, if you said him, you're not trading the same stuff for Hunter Renfro that you would for Terry McLaurin, right? No, you you are you have been very consistent on on a lot of points. This one is probably your most consistent point on all of our fantasy football shows. Whenever Terry McLaurin gets brought up, it is trade Terry McLaurin Absolutely. on name value. You'll get what you'll get more than what you should. Um, that's yeah. that's been the most consistent thing with Terry McLaurin. Uh, Antonio Gibson, on the other hand, last year we talked we talked about Miles Sanders being a. Uh, preseason darling last year Antonio Gibson was a preseason darling that really I don't want to say really disappointed but it was it was streaky it was hot and cold it was up and down with Antonio Gibson so Aaron can we trust Antonio Gibson this year as an RB2 yeah, as an RB2 absolutely absolutely last year okay. the problem with last year and I, I was guilty of this you guys know how I felt about Antonio Gibson the problem was People thought he could end up being a top five running back. Like the way they were like, oh, if they use him like Christian McCaffrey, which I'll be honest, I still believe if they used him in the way they use Christian McCaffrey, he has the skill set. He's shown to be versatile, catch out of the back. They're just not using him. So, so maybe he didn't live up to that top five hype and everybody's like, man, it was so disappointing. Sure it was from a top five level, but he had 10 total touchdowns. He still ran for a thousand yards, had another 300 through the air and he was RB 12. If you ask me, hey, I'm drafting him as RB15, RB16, RB17, okay, it's, that's a win. You're going to take him there all day long. Yeah. Um, just not going to – don't expect what you expected going into the yeah. draft from last year. So um, I believe right now he's going somewhere around RB19. Like, yeah, sign me up. I, he'll never make it to RB19 in my league. I'll draft him before then. But is he going to be top 10? Yeah, he'll be right around borderline late late first or late one RB one, if he has gets touches, but he'll definitely be an RB. Are you drafting him over, over Zeke? That's asinine. Are you drafting him over? No, 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 no. Zeke is rated way too low. What what I'm getting at here is you did say, will you draft him at RB 19? I might draft you, your words. You might draft him before rb19 i will draft him. before I he gets will. To, so that so what i'm trying to get at here is which running backs ahead of rb19 you would take him over oh, okay. okay as of as of right now that's where i'm trying to get at zeke Elliott is one of those you won't take him over him david montgomery uh i love david montgomery probably cam Akers. yes i would take him over saquon barkley Ugh. i probably would take him over saquon this James Connor. No. So you're right. You're right around RB 16, right around RB 16, RB 17 for 
Antonio Gibson, because I don't think you're going to take him Antonio Gibson over guys like Leonard Fournette, Aaron Jones, Alvin. You're not going that high. So RB 17 is what is your highest on Antonio Gibson. Yep. So let's one. So one quick thing on this Antonio Gibson thought process. Uh, it's been great that he's been able to finish his RB 12 the last two years. I do think you will see a slight drop off this year. Uh, Ron Rivera has said on multiple occasions, and I, it can be the smoke. That's fine. But he said on multiple occasions, he plans on using a, plethora of running backs and a strong committee this year antonio gibson not only will might see less work but specifically around the goal line and i think that's where the brian robinson comes into play uh, around the goal line of the touches now again now again, I don't trust anything smoke. Ron Rivera says since he said he was going to use them like Christian McCaffrey just a year and a half ago. I mean, he probably meant to, and then he got turf toe and burnt and, toe no, and big toe and small toe. But let's be toe. honest. Let's be big honest. Foot? Last year, last year he had a hundred or two hundred fifty-eight carries. The year before that, he had one hundred and seventy, and he was still RB thirteen. Like the yeah. running back position ends up being that way because so many guys are going to get hurt. There is going to be guys that get hurt be out for the year, torn ACLs. The one thing I like about Antonio Gibson is he does get banged up, but he doesn't miss a lot of time. Yeah. He usually comes back, and he's usually trying to play through it. That's important to me. I said it with Josh Jacobs. Yeah. I'll say it with Antonio Gibson. Like I like guys like that that are willing to play through some nagging. Take notes. And on the other opinion. side of what I said, I mean, you know, they may say that, they may mean that, they may feel that, but we know once the game is going, if there's a hot hand, no coach is dumb enough to go, all right, well, sit down. I know you're on 112 yards on three touches, but let's, I, let's just rest you. So I obviously, you know. I can't, I can't imagine Brian Robinson or J.D. McKissick or Jared Patterson gets the hot hand over Antonio. Is there Gibson. a chance Jared Patterson's cut? Why? No. No. You tell me Why? all four will make the roster Maybe. and then it's the Williams and others that'll get cut. They'll, they'll deactivate one like every week. Uh, the problem is, is they don't have like Jared Patterson to me. I know Brian Robinson's list ahead of him in the depth chart. To me, Jared Patterson. But I don't believe when coaches say that. I believe Antonio Gibson's their lead back. I believe Antonio Gibson is the most talented back they have. And I believe when he's in the game, He's going to get the carry. Now, does that mean if he fumbles, Ron Rivera won't bench him? Nope, because he did it last year. <laughs> but you see it every time he did it. What happens the next week? Antonio Gibson's right back out there. Absolutely. I don't think the other guys are good what? enough to start playing. Which one of them becomes a tight end next year? That's what it is. Which Brian one of them becomes about end? a cheeseburger like... away from a, from a, t- a right <laughs> oh, tackle. No. So. Oh, no. <laughs> Eddie Lacy, no. Eddie Lacy, no. Hey, 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 he has hey, – hey, there's, there's precedence. Those Bama running backs, man. They get kind of fat. What happened to Trent Richardson? What, hey. I, I saw Where that. I will always go back to the story of me seeing Trent Richardson at a Waffle House on a Saturday night before the Colts are about to play the Jags, like at midnight <laughs> with a bunch of girls at a Waffle House in a not-so-great area. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> this is Trent Richardson's life. Uh, all right, let's end this show. Let's end our NFC East talk with the Giants here, and we – We've talked about Saquon. We've talked about running backs. Let's just talk general. Let's just talk Go to me. the Giants as a whole. Dylan, rank the Giants' fantasy options. Yes. Um, Saquon Barkley, um, Kadarius Toney, Kenny Galladay, Graham Gano. Um, <laughs> the kicker went over Giants down. Giants defense. <laughs> Sterling <laughs> Shepard. Anonymous. <laughs> Wait, wait, 
<laughs> oh no, Aaron froze at the wrong time. <laughs> how the hell you got Sterling Shepard over Daniel Jones? I I, <laughs> Am I wrong? Uh, I, yeah, I, yeah. I got honestly, I got Tyrod Taylor over Daniel Jones. No, I'm not talking oh. Daniel Jones. Am I wrong for Graham Cano under them? Yeah, yeah. First of all, you don't mention kickers on the show. We don't play in leagues with kickers. Uh, <laughs> Are we wait? Are we are we getting rid of yeah, kickers in the Sac City League? Yeah, kickers are the best. No, kickers are pointless because kickers are people too. No, kickers are so pointless because there's only like four good ones, and that's why I scout kickers on a weekly basis and I win. Kickers are so kickers are so useless. The biggest use waste of fantasy football ever. Anyways, Saquon Barkley is the answer. Saquon Barkley. That's it. And then. A bunch of guys, and then Saquon can even have a big question mark next to him, right? Because only if he's healthy. But the, the rest of the guys, it could be anybody. Would it shock you if you woke up after Week One and Darius Slayton led the Giants in receiving? Nope. Nope. Would it shock you if we woke up after Week Two and it was Wandell Robinson that led the team in receiving? No. Nope. Yep. A little bit. Would little you bit. woke up if if you woke up Week Three and it was some random ass tight end on their team that led the team? DJ I wouldn't board. be surprised. But, Daniel Bellinger, me consistent. That sounded like you just named a new person. <laughs> Daniel Bellinshockey. That's what you. That's what I heard. Either Daniel. I said it wouldn't shock me. Was a new Jeremy Shockey yeah. for Daniel Bellinger. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's oh, wow! 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 All right! All right! <laughs> All right! All right! Uh, does, uh, last question on the Giants here, you though. Does 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 Brian Dable change anything with this offer? Like, does do you think like what you talk about being surprised? Would you be surprised by week eight that there are more fantasy relevant options in New York other than like your Saquon Barkley? Like, did Brian Dable comes in here and makes these guys relevant? Well, I definitely think there's one big change. I know they will not be running a quarterback sneak on their own five yard line uh, with time left. I know that will not happen. So there will be a change. I do think they're going to try to open it up a little bit more. I do think their offense is better this year. They've been so bad the past few years. Um, it's, but is it going to make Daniel Jones less of a turd? I don't know. Nope. Hopefully. <laughs> Poor ah, Daniel Jones. He's been Jones. a turd. Listen, Poor he has man. Josh Allen. He has Josh Allen. In. The body, the, the athletic ability, he really does. The problem is, <laughs> been a turd and he hasn't been developed so can brian dable <laughs> fix that i hope so i hope so but i don't so i don't know so, so daniel jones has some josh allen in him but he also has a massive turd that he just cannot get out of what daniel jones is Oh, I see what you did there. All right. That does it. That does it for our fantasy outlook, our team by team previews. If you've missed any episodes, if you've missed any of our content, please check us out on all podcasting platforms at Sac City Pod on Apple, Spotify, wherever it gets podcasts. We are there. And of course, perfectly cut videos. AJ's been taking over that role. He's been doing a good job posting the videos now. So you can see everything on YouTube clipped nice and, 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 decently for your viewing pleasures uh, on youtube at sac city pod aj take away the rest of the i movie <laughs> take away the rest of the social read yeah all right sac city pod that's who we are 
And you know that deal because you follow us on every social media that you have on your phone and on your laptop and on your desktop, on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and YouTube and TikTok. Head on over, Sac City Pod. Hit that like, hit that share, hit that love, hit that subscribe. That's a big one. Or follow or so on and so forth. You may not see it on here, but also Spotify and Apple Podcasts and Stitcher and iHeartRadio and TuneIn. All those places. There is nowhere you look where Sac City Pod shouldn't be on your mind front and center. So head on to Sac City Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. And, uh, you know, join the city every Wednesday through Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern right here on the tubes over there on the books and sometimes on the tweet tweet. We appreciate all the love. Hashtag GMSC Sac City, baby. Good morning and goodbye. We'll be back tomorrow for our Fun and Games Friday show live 10 a.m. Eastern time right here on YouTube. For your boy, AJ Johnson, for the valedictorian Dylan Kearns and for my best friend Aaron Mukes. I am me. We will see you tomorrow. No. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Sac City Podcast. You made it this far, so you must have liked that show. If you did, go ahead and think of two people you can share this episode with. We can never have too many people in the city. So don't forget to hit that follow button. Sac City. Population, one more.